I like it. I'm not on. I'm not up. I'm good. I'm looking at the man in the back. He gave me the thumbs up. I'm good. That's all I care about. My wife talks to me about every week about, well, she talks to me all the time, but every week about how cold it is in the auditorium. And I said, I understand that. And she's, you know, this one's cold and that one's cold. I said, the only one I really worry about, cold or hot, and that's the preacher. I said, he's the one I worry about making comfortable. I said, if he's comfortable, he's doing all the work. If he's comfortable, then that's the main thing. So I'm kind of like Lewis in the back on the heat. We're good. I'm cold. I know it. But preacher likes it. So that's the reason where we are where we are. All right. Grab your Bibles and turn over to Psalms 34. This was a hard psalm. As uh, we start to go through it, you'll kind of understand a little bit better. Uh, I really sought God over this a lot on how to teach it and what to do with it. And uh, the material we have is excellent material. But it kind of went a couple different ways and it went through a lot of scripture and a lot of different parts of the Bible explaining a lot of it. And as I read it and as I prayed over it and as I studied it, it's really a psalm that I think we can go through verse by verse. And I think that it'll really, in our time and our day, where we're living at right today, I think it'll really help us the most by going this way. Uh, the outline is, is pretty simple this week. Uh, I've got a couple of blanks, but I, I kind of changed around a little bit from the material. And uh, as we go through it, I think you'll understand it. David writes this psalm. And uh, David is in the, the cave of uh, Abdullah. Where he, when he writes this, he has... Uh, it, was a, it was the area whenever Saul was chasing him. And remember, he went to the Philistines. And he went down to, uh, to them. And he went into the, as he was going into the city, the, the people of the city of Gath. Uh, that's where Goliath was from. And as he was going into the city, the people went to the king and says, here's David. What's he doing here? Now, Gath is where Goliath was from and, and his brothers and all that. And they were concerned about David being in their city. And so David got scared and he became as a madman. Remember, he started drooling and it talks about him drooling down his beard and, and, and hitting his head against the walls and, and be like a real madman. And the king says, this guy's a nut. There's no concern. Don't worry about it. And really kind of just turned his back away from David and then wasn't concerned about David. But David was afraid because he was afraid the king would kill him when they really realized. Because they said the people went to, to the king there and he says, well, the, the, the Israelites sung that Saul had killed his thousands and David had killed his tens of thousands. And so... They were really worried. Well, the king, as he saw David and saw the way he was and what he looked like, he said, David's lost his mind. It's no big deal. And so David left. So David is, is at this point. He's been to Gath. He presented himself as a madman because he was afraid. Saul's chasing him. He's afraid of Saul. So he's in this point right now in his life that he's in this cave and he writes Psalm 34. So as we go through this psalm, it's, it's, it's David sharing his heart. But as I studied this and as I looked at it, David hadn't gone. Now, you need to remember this. David hadn't gone and had 
the adulterous affair with Bathsheba. He hadn't had her husband killed. He hadn't went through the death of the child. He hadn't went through his children rebelling against him. He hadn't went through Absalom trying to take the kingdom away from him. He hadn't went through a lot of things when he, when he wrote this psalm. But I'm thinking as I'm reading this psalm and as we go through it today, I'm almost positive as I'm standing here that David went back to this psalm many times. David had to. And as we go through this psalm, you'll understand it. There's a, God opens a door here through David for us. For us to change our life as a Christian. And as David writes this and he shares his heart, what God is doing and what God has for him, I'm sure as David went through all these trials and tribulations, that many a night David sat and read what he wrote about Psalms 34. And as we go through it, you'll, you'll kind of see it and understand it. We're going to go through the whole psalm, but we're going to read a couple verses to start out with. Psalm 34, verses 3 and 4, and it says, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look at verse 3 again. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us. David says, magnify God with me. I'm going to magnify God, and I want you to do it with me. And then he says, let us. He wants us, us as God's people, to do what he's going to say for us to do. And he lays out, like I said, he opens a door here. God lets him open a door to the, the grace and magnificence of God. And David goes through a lot here in this psalm and explains a lot to us about this. So everybody in here, bow your head and close your eyes. Everybody, bow your head and close your eyes. All right, don't raise your hand, but raise your hand in your heart. How many in here are really struggling with things today? It can be the economy. It can be, Brother Chuck, I can't pay my electric bill. I can't pay my gas bill. I don't know what I'm going to do with my house payment. I can't pay my car payment. I have no health insurance. It's my family. I've got lost loved ones that are dying and going to hell. I've got sick, sickness in my house, sickness in my family. I've got things in my life that I'm really, really, really struggling with. Think of it. We all have it. We've all there. We've all been there. That's where David is. That's where David's at. He's in that part of his life that he's struggling. Okay, y'all can look up now. Now think of that. Remember that now as we go through this. And as we look at this, the door opens. Look at verse 1. This is David's writing. David said, I will bless the Lord with all at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Look at verse 1. I will bless the Lord when? There isn't. So as we go through our trials and our tribulations and all that's going wrong in our life, David says we're to do one thing. 
Bless God. We're supposed to have that in our heart and on our heart all the time. All the time. David's opening a door here. Look what else he says. His praise shall be continually be in my mouth. What's in your mouth today? How many, don't raise your hand, how many got up this morning and jumped out of bed and started praising God? How many this week when you went to your mailbox and you opened it up and you had all those bills and you went to your checkbook and you had no money, you praised God? How many when you made a phone call and there was a, or your phone rang and you picked it up and there was somebody on the other end and says, did you know that so-and-so had cancer? My wife got up this morning and she went downstairs and got on the computer and she pulled up Don Rogers' stuff on how he is and he's back in... North Carolina. He was in Texas, and they moved him, wasn't Texas? They moved him from Texas to North Carolina. He's not doing well at all. Brother Don, if God doesn't intervene, Brother Don's going to die. And uh, when I heard it, that he had this stroke, my mind went to Don Rogers. And Don had this quirky little smile that I can picture in my mind. And if I was standing with Don and he was able to say anything, you know what he'd say? He'd smile at me and say, Brother Chuck, it's all right. It's all, all right. And he'd praise God. I got to be able to spend a lot of time with Don. I got to go fishing with Don. I got to spend time with him. A lot of people didn't get to spend. And I got to see the man and to laugh with him and to love with him. And to cry with him. He didn't say it's all right. Why? Because he had this. He had this in his heart. It was continually there. It was constantly there. No matter what was going on, he had this in his heart. Then it says in verse 2, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. If we're praising God in our church, in this building here, uh, Brother Jason, stand up, please. Brother Bart, stand up. Miss Mitty, stand up, please. Uh, Fern, stand. Uh, Roby, stand, would you please. Linda Leggett, stand. Brother Bob, stand. All right, if these people in our church building are praising God, Jason's shouting amen, Bart's raising a hanky, Minnie's back there, got her hands lifted, and she's, she's praising God. Sister Fern on this side is praising God. Linda Leggett's standing there, she's praising God. Brother Bob's standing there, he's waving a hanky. Roby's getting ready to start running the aisles. All right? This is all going on in our church service, but we're all praising God. Arthur's sitting here. He's a new Christian. How much encouragement do you think is going to be to him? Uh-huh. That's what it's talking about here. The humble, the feeble, the ones that are just new in the Lord. But what are we doing? We all sit here and we don't do that. And praise isn't continually on our heart. And we come in and we set. And we think of all the problems and all the situations and all the things that are going on in the world. And all that's going on in our own little family. And we forget about God. And we forget about his praise. And we forget about the glory. We're robbing our church. We're robbing our young ones, 
of what could be and what they could have and what there is out there for them. You guys can sit down. But it takes all of us. It doesn't take Brother Hector just shouting or or Brother Bill just shouting. It takes all of us. As God touches and moves, we ought to be willing to praise him. And it should be on our lips and it should be in our heart continually for that. And then in verse 3 it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, if God delivers us from all our fears, what are we afraid of? What is there out there that we're afraid of? But, Brother Chuck, you don't understand. No, I know what the Bible says. He said he delivered me from all my fears. Yeah, he just did it for David. No, 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 no. He does it for us all. If we're in that spot. If we open that door and David opens the door and we walk through that door and we continually praise him, we exalt him. He is first and foremost in our life and on our heart. David said he delivers me from all my fears. All of them. Everything around me that this world brings into my life that says you can't. You can't succeed. This is going to happen. You're going to fall apart. You're going to lose this. You're going to lose that. You're not going to make it. The world is going to end tomorrow if this doesn't happen. Huh? The Bible says he removes all that. All my fears. You say, Brother Chuck, I'm afraid. Praise him. Put praise upon your lips. It says he'll deliver me from all my fears. Then look in verse 5. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. Preacher just pre- spoke about this uh, some Wednesday night about being ashamed, about not being ashamed. Over in Timothy, terrific message. And, and it says we'll be lightened. What does it mean by lightened? Does it mean there's going to be a light shined upon us? No, 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 no. Our burdens, our fears are going to be lightened. They're not going to be there. Oh, yeah, sure, the the bills are still going to be there. Yeah, sure, the money's still not going to be in the account. But that's up to God. God's going to take care of it. Because look at verse 6. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now, did it say it took away his troubles? Mm -mm. It said it saved him out of his troubles. What does that mean? What's the difference between taking away from and being saved out of? Come on, talk to me. Doesn't take him away, though, does he, Brother Mike? He goes with you through your troubles. What, is, what does Psalm 33, or 23 say? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Does that mean you're not going to go through the valley? No, no, no. The Bible says you're going to walk through that valley. You're going to have that valley. It's going to be there. These troubles are real. But God is there. To get us through. It's not up to us. It's up to God. David writes this. He's in a problem. He's in a situation. We're in a problem. We're in a situation. God is not in our government. If you didn't know that. The reason why I know that. And I know through scripture. It says God's not the author of confusion. And you'll never see a more confused mess than the United States of America's government. You never will. You never will. You'll never see more bickering, more fighting over nothing 
than what there is there. So God's not in our government. Now, God raises up kings and brings down kings. Did he put Obama in office? Absolutely, or else he wouldn't be there. I understand all that. But if I'm looking to the government for this great bailout package, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. As a Christian, I'm to go where? To the throne of grace. To God. When I've got a problem or I've got a fear or I've got a need, I'm not to go to the government. I'm not to go to Brother Arthur. I'm not to go to Carl. I'm going to go to God. And God moves and God does. That's my faith. That's where it's at. That's what David said. He said, this poor man, this poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Look what it says in verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that fear him and delivereth them. God says, I've got an angel that's encamped with you that no harm, nothing's going to happen to you if you do what I tell you to do. If you're living where you're supposed to be living, doing what you're supposed to be doing, I'm not taking the troubles away, but I'm going with you. I've given you an angel that camps around about you that will deliver you through this. That's what God's got for us. God's got so much for us. If. If. We praise him. If we're where we're supposed to be. If we're living the life we're supposed to live. Look at verse 8. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. David says, it's like me having a big piece of uh, watermelon. Here it is. Middle of August. Sweet, tasty watermelon. I've got this big piece of watermelon. Y'all don't have it. I've got it. And me walking up to Brother Vyers and says, man, this watermelon's good, isn't it? He said, oh, no, I ain't got none of it. I say, it's good. It's really good. You'd really like it if you had it. But he doesn't have it. And the Bible says, taste. So what do I do? Taste it. That's the same way it is with God. We share it. We share it. It says, taste it. Taste it. Here it is. I've given it to you. Take it. Use it. Eat it. Enjoy it. Share it. Share these blessings. Share this time. Share what God's given us. Share what he gave David here. David wasn't being stingy. He said, I cried. God delivered me. God gave this to me. And he said, I want you to taste it. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. Then look at verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Now look at that. That fear him. What does it mean to fear God? We've talked about this. It, do what? Reverence. Reverence. Who does the first part? Who's praise? Who seeks him? Who loves him? Who does all these things? I'm not afraid of God as far as hurting me. But when I go into the throne room of grace, I go with fear and reverence. Not because God can hurt me, 
but because of who he is. He spoke this world into existence. He hung every star. He made every blade of grass. He put every tree. He put every drop of water. He put the blood in my body. He made me a living soul. I reverence him. I don't go in smart mouth demanding, saying you said this and you said that, and it's not like this and it's not like that. I go on humble before God, almighty God. And he says, if I come in with fear and reverence. Now, this is David's writing. Look at this. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints. There is no want to them that fear him. Then in verse 10, it's an interesting thing. He says, young lions do lack and suffer hunger. I read that and I thought, what in the world is he talking about here? But now you stop and think about it. I'm old. Elaine's older. Elaine's seen God do a lot of things that I haven't seen God do. I've seen a lot of God do things in my life that Art hasn't seen do. Young lions, young Christians, when they get started, they run here to and fro. And they do. And they see things and they want things and they desire things. And they got to have it. And they don't understand why God doesn't move here and God doesn't do that. You might have, I've had young Christians say, well, if I was God, I'd kill them if they did that. Or I'd do this. Or why does God let this happen? Or why does God let that happen? David writes here and he said, young lions, they hunger. They hunger. They don't understand all that's going on. They don't understand all that's happening. But look what else he says here. And suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing. We're to take them. We're to take them and we're to work with them and show them and teach them and guide them and direct them. So as they grow, they see that in us. They see what's going on, David says. And it says, come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So as we grow in grace and as we see God move and as we Praise God, and as we exalt God, and as we see God do the things that he's supposed to do. I didn't give you the blanks. I'll give them to you at the end. As we see God do, and as we see God move, we teach it. I will teach you to fear the Lord. What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Great verse. He says, watch what you're saying. Be careful what you're doing. What is guile? What's guile? Lies. Speaking lies. Telling lies. Not telling the truth. It says, keep your mouth from that. Why is that important? Other than the Bible says we're not to lie, but why else? Help you live a long life. Help you live a, a pure life, won't it, Brother Bob? A pure life. Look what it says. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Depart from evil, evil speaking, our tongue, guile. Depart from it. We're not to have any part of it. We're not going to be part of it. And do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
So we're to part, we're to do good, we're to seek, and we're to pursue. pursue. So there's some things there that David writes that we're supposed to do in our life. We're to part from what, what is evil, what's wrong, what's wicked, what's not right, what we're saying. We need to be real careful about what we say and how we say it. And to do good. What does it mean to do good? It means to do good. Seek peace. What does it mean to seek peace? The Bible says we're to be peacemakers. It doesn't say we're to be peacekeepers. There's a big difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Think about it. What's a peacemaker? What's a peacemaker? Make peace, right? What's a peacekeeper? There you go. I'm keeping the peace. Do you ever see those old westerns where people are gunfighting in the street and the sheriff's a little bitty wimpy guy and he says, I keep the peace? Those people out are killing each other, robbing banks, they're doing all these things. And he's so afraid he's not coming out of his office. He's a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. A peacemaker is somebody that's going to step out and say, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is what God says. This is what the Bible says. This is where we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to be doing. It's not all this. Big difference. We're supposed to be peacemakers. All right. Be peacemakers. And pursue it. We ought to strive for it. We ought to work towards it. Then look at verse 15. It says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open under their cry. David says that God's eyes are upon me, and when I cry to God, his ears are open unto me. Go back to Genesis. Think about this. Genesis, Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden. They sinned. After they sinned, what did they do? They went and hid, right? Did they go to God? Did they automatically fall on their face before God and say, God, we've sinned. We've did what you told us not to do. No. They went and hid. Who came seeking who and talking to whom? God came walking in the cool of day. And what did he say? Where are you at? Adam and Eve didn't go to God. God wants us to come to him. When we have sin in our life and we fail, David says God's waiting for us to come to him. He expects his children. I know when I was, I was younger and I lived at home with my dad. My dad was a very strict disciplinarian man. Very strict. And I found out real, real soon in my life, if when my dad came home, if I'd done something wrong, if I would go to my dad as soon as he came in and I'd say, Dad... I did thus and such, and I'm sorry for it. My dad would say, most of the time he'd say, well, did you learn a lesson? I'd say, yes, sir. He'd say, okay, then let's remember that lesson and let's not do it again. But if I did something that I shouldn't have done, my dad came home, he walked in the house, and, and my mom says, Chuck did thus and such. He'd say, where's he at? I'd say, my mom would say, well, he's outside or whatever. He'd go call me. I'd come in and he'd say, what'd you do today? I'd say, well, why? 
Well, I heard that you did this. And business would pick up real quick. So I learned that if I went to him, it was a whole lot better. And that's what, that's what David says here. He says, if we'll cry unto him. Go down to verse 19 and we're done. This is, this is a great, great thing. Verse 18. And the Lord is nigh unto them that are a broken heart and saveth such as be with a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones and not one of them is broken. God said, I'll take care of you. I'll supply. I'll meet your needs. Let me give you these blanks and we'll be done. First blank is all. Second blank is deliverance. And the fifth blank is nearness. And look at verse 22 and we're done. And the Lord remembered the soul of his servants. And none of them that trusted in him shall be. What's that last word? Destitute. We'll always have him. We'll never, ever, ever, ever be alone. David opens this door of praise and exaltation to God. And for us to walk through it and to get all these things down in that psalm, it takes us doing that. It takes us praising and exhorting God for who and what he is. And God says, I give you all these promises. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be there. I'll always provide. I'll meet every need. I am always there. I give you an angel that'll stay with you and and help you through all your troubles. I guarantee it. It's a guarantee. God can't lie. So when David wrote this down, as I said at the very beginning of this, David wrote this down. He didn't know all the mess that he was going through. He didn't know all the mess with Bathsheba and the the death and the children and all that. But I guarantee you, there was nights that David got alone when he was in a mess and he knelt down and he said, God, I remember Psalms 34. I remember that psalm you gave me and I wrote it down. And God, I need you now. God, you said you never would, and I praised you, and I've lifted you up, and I put you first, and I've done what you told me to do. And God says, David, you're going through your troubles, but I'm here. I am always here. And he helped David through. That's the reason why as you study David's life and you get to the end of David's life, David was like he was. Why he was so soft and so tender. And why he loved God so much. Because God showed him Psalms 34. And let him go through it. So I challenge you today. God's child. Are you praising him? Are you exalting him? Are you lifting him up? I know we all got troubles and we all got trials. And like I said, this, this, this world's a mess. But if you can take that psalm and the door opens up. And you walk through it. And you... Every day, you get on your face before God and you say, God, we're in a mess. And you take this psalm and you read it. And you say, God, I trust this psalm. I trust what you say here. I trust what you're telling me here. I believe what you're telling me here. I know what the government says. I know what my bills are. I know what I've gotten paid. I know what I can't do. I know all my health. I know that I'm sick. And I know that this one's sick. And I know that. And I know that. But God, I trust you.
no matter what happens, my trust is in you because of this psalm. Great promises David wrote here. Great promises God gave him to write. It's not David writing them. It's God giving them to David to write. And he shall never leave you destitute. He'll always be there. Let's pray.